This can be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And good morning. It is finally. We've been waiting for this for a good while. And that is game day college football style. And I'm all the way here for it, for you for two hours. And honestly, we're letting it loose on a Louisiana Saturday morning because we're in a damn good mood because, again, college football is back. And you best believe we are coming to you live as we always are on a Louisiana Saturday morning from the game studios in Upper Lafayette, not too far from Carrick High School. Shout out to them Golden Bears getting a win last night, but we'll talk about that in the next segment. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Appreciate you listening in, be it through the 1037 Lafayette FM dial on the game. The game 1041 out in Lake Charles, our free mobile apps, Amazon smart speakers. Just tell your Alexa to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and you'll get us just like that. And more importantly, I said it a few weeks ago, you no longer can smell the pigskin because that bad boy is flying all over the place. And if you know me well enough, I am all the way here for that. We got the Cajuns playing tonight, tomorrow. It's the big game, the first Salvo of the Brian Kelly era. And that's where I want to start off here on this show, right here, right now, with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. This is, without a doubt, one of the most important games in terms of a first game for a head coach in Brian Kelly in LSU's history. And that's saying something. When you look at a lot of the history of head coaches, and I dug deep to look into the research. And honestly, yes, it's not a game against a ranked opponent like Les Miles did back in 2005 and having to go ahead and kind of realign your game plan and move the game from Louisiana all the way over to Arizona State because of Hurricane Katrina. But I still think it is an important ball game because every single fan of LSU that's wearing that purple and gold, be it in the Caesars Superdome on Sunday night or out at Twin Peaks on Johnston, go and hang out with Matt Miguez to watch the big game or whatever watering hole you're going to be at. Or if you're at home rocking that purple and gold, you want to see LSU open up this new era with a win. There's a lot of mystery surrounding it, but I think we've all kind of been able to read through the tea leaves enough 
to say that Jane Daniels, I know one man doesn't want to say that they're the guy. And that's without a doubt, Brian Kelly. He's trying to keep that a mystery, but I think we already know. I think we already know who the starting quarterback is. And it's amazing the fact that LSU has Brian Kelly, a guy who last year opened up the season against Florida State at Notre Dame. And if people remember that particular ball game, if they remember that particular ball game, Florida State had Notre Dame on the ropes and damn near won the game. Florida State lost, but Notre Dame definitely felt like it was a loss. Don't believe me? Brian Kelly, if you remember the soundbite at the beginning of the year where he talked about being in favor of execution after that loss on a Sunday night. I believe that was out in Tallahassee, if I'm not mistaken. But now it's moved over into a friendly and probably hostile environment. The friendly confines for LSU, but it's definitely going to be a hostile environment for Florida State. Yes, they drew a huge bit of a gate. I think it's almost half the gate is Florida State. The other half is LSU, but trust me, that Tigers crew is going to be rough and rowdy from the time they get to freaking tailgating on a Sunday afternoon. Don't believe me? I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be hot and heavy, and I'm all the way here for it. But I say it's the most important game for an LSU head coach in terms of their first game. Because I think the expectations set by his predecessors, more so because of Nick Saban and Les Miles, lesser so because of Ed Ogeron. Because I think Ed Ogeron was just more of a benefactor of having one of the best quarterbacks in the history of college football set foot on the campus, and that's Joe Burrow. When you look at the last three head coaches, the expectations are you win. And number two, you get national championships. Nick Saban, Les Miles, Ed Ogeron, but with a little asterisk on it because I think that was more because of the quality of talent he had rather than the quality of coaching. Just my personal opinion. And I think now that we look at everything, I think everybody's going to agree with that take. But I want to do some deep diving into this all the way back to 1948 with Gaynell Tinsley. And we go back, 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 back all the way to that point and get to 2022. Now, where do we stand? Heading into this, LSU coaches with their first games ever, 6-4-1. and one. The one tie coming all the way back in 1984. Bill Arnsparger started off his time as the head coach of the Tigers with a 21-21 tie against the Florida Gators. And again, this isn't a ranked Florida State team, but it isn't your slightly younger brother's Florida State team. It's not that Florida State team that was with Jameis Winston winning national titles. This is after Jimbo Fisher left the cupboard bare and the program had to keep rebuilding. I think this Florida State team, we talked about it last week with our game-by-game predictions, and there's no doubt in my mind that that team is going to get a little bit better. But Brian Kelly's got lofty expectations because, again, the last three head coaches that have started their career at LSU as a head coach 
have won their first game. Nick Saban shut out Western Carolina. Les Miles eked out a win over 15th-ranked Arizona State, 35-31. Ed Ogeron, his first game was against Mizzou. Yes, it was an interim, but we're going to count it. He's, after all, he did wind up getting that full-time promotion. We're going to count that just for the sake of argument. But also, in 2017, they actually wound up winning that game as well to start the season. That was against BYU, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that was against BYU because that was a game that got moved to the Superdome because they had some that hurricane was going towards more Texas. They kind of had to rush job that. But LSU won that game, 27-0. So regardless, first game, be you interim or head, you have absolutely no excuses if you're LSU. And again, to me, Jane Daniels seems like the guy. Now, when it comes to anybody else on that team, it's a million-dollar question. We're going to try and figure out. Could Garrett Nussmeyer surprise everybody? I don't necessarily think so. I think he'll probably be a guy that enters a transfer portal before too long because I think the writing's on the wall that after Jaden Daniels is done, Walker Howard is next in line. He has absolutely looked good throughout fall camp. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be that next guy in line. And the reason why I say it's the most important game is not just because of the legacy of LSU and being able to start off your season with a win, but I think it's the perfect statement to say, hey, we are changing things for the better because we're seeing that now the culture at LSU, it's changing a lot more. Mind you, it's changing because of a whole lot of other different reasons that I'm not going to get into right here on this show. But they're making changes by getting guys who are going to ingrain a certain level of culture. And changing the culture is great, but if you're an LSU Tiger program, you want a lot more than changing the culture. You want results, and you want them now. And a loss against Florida State is going to be a damning look. It's going to be a big black eye on the first season of Brian Kelly, no matter how the season ends up. He could be 11-1 and and beat Alabama. Actually, I'll take that back. He beats Alabama, that Florida State loss, kind of gets swept under the way, swept to the wayside. Because then LSU has a chance to make it the college football playoff, depending on how things go the rest of the way for Alabama. But I think this is, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's a Nick Saban revenge year. So I just don't think that's in the cards. This is Brian Kelly's opportunity to, a lot like what we see with Florida State before the game, when they plant that spear on the field, this is his chance to plant the flag and say, hey, it's a new era at LSU. We're going to do just fine. And more importantly, we're going to get you wins on the board against teams we should win against. Teams like a Florida State that they keyword should win. Yes, they're three and a half point favorites right now. But we've seen in the past, over the last two head coaches, they've lost some games that they had no business losing. Don't believe me? Let see last miles, Wisconsin during his last year. Ed Ozron opening up the 2020 season with an absolute egg against Mississippi State. There's a lot of stuff that I can look at and say, hey, the last few head coaches haven't done what they needed to do. This is a 
opportunity to make a statement towards not only the country, because I think the country's already counting out LSU. Do I think they make a college football playoff run? I don't think so. If you want to bump it up to 12, I think there's an ample opportunity for them to do so right here, right now. We'll talk about that more later, about the expansion from 4 to 12. But I think they're going to be better than people expect. And a first game win for Brian Kelly to kind of continue the winning tradition that LSU has established since the turn of the millennium. There's no doubt in my mind that's the direction he wants to go. So I think it's important to start off your career at LSU with a win. We all know he can get things done in the regular season, but I think there's still a lot of people that are concerned, at least from what I'm seeing. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We'll take a quick timeout, and when we come back, I'm going to get into some of the stuff that happened last night across the Acadiana area with high school football because week one is largely in the books. We'll talk about that more in the next segment. Got Steve Lassen coming aboard around the bottom of the hour, and we'll talk some Saints to wrap up hour number one. So keep it locked right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and also those LSU Tigers. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Appreciate you listening in. We got Steve Lassen. He'll be coming on in about 10 minutes. But in the meantime and in between time, let me tell you about some of the great stuff we've got right now in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It's free to enter, and more importantly, it's free to join. And the biggest thing I think we have, no doubt, is the Astros weekend getaway the final one we're giving away during the regular season. So make sure you sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win four tickets to see Houston take on the Tampa Bay Rays Saturday, October 1st. If I'm not mistaken, that's going to be the last weekend of the regular season. So this would be an opportunity to see the Astros as they warm up to get ready for a postseason run and maybe, just maybe, win their second World Series. I would love to see that. But, hey, I can't enter into win this. I can't go see this. Here's the thing. We'll also be throwing in a tour to the ballpark, tour of Minute Maid, hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. It's the last Astros Weekend giveaway of the regular season, and these Astros Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, I am all the way here for some Astros baseball in the postseason. That run's going to be immaculate. But enough talk about baseball. It is football season. Week one is officially in the books for the most part. A couple of games got moved around, canceled, postponed. Give you the details on a lot of these ball games from last night. First off, let's get to the Delta Media family of stations because we had some barn burners to say the least. 
Namely, Acadiana High LCA was the must-watch game of the week in high school football, not just in the Acadiana area, but I think the entire state. These two have been powerhouses over the last several years. And on paper, it felt like Acadiana could have taken care of business against the Lafayette Christian Academy Knights. That wasn't the case. LCA came away with a 38-21 win. Now, I'm sure Acadiana High fans aren't necessarily pleased with that end result, but I think a lot of people need to kind of pump the brakes and remember, Acadiana High started off slow last season, and look where you wound up. So I'm not going to say, hey, you know, doom and gloom type stuff. Not going to go chicken little. I'm just going to say, pump the brakes a little bit, go, whoa, 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 whoa. I think y'all are going to be okay. First week, you played a really good team in LCA, which I think is going to make that 4-4-A district even more interesting. And we'll get to them in a few minutes. Barb, which you can hear in Lake Charles on 104.1 with Mark Judson, Scott Holtzman, and Wildcat Jack Miller. Got it right this time because I'm usually when in conversations with them, I'm saying Wildman, but Wildcat Jack Miller on the call, and they took care of business, beating LaGrange 49-12. to Definitely a good win for a Barb program to start off the season. Again, 2020, they didn't play at all. 2021 was their first year back. And now they're kind of starting to get back into the groove of things. And an old rivalry being renewed next week to open up district play. Again, 358 is an absolutely loaded district with Acadiana High, Barb, and Caracrow, which you can hear on Z1059. And Caracrow, after a little bit of a competitive ball game to start, they steamrolled Alexandria Senior High 55-20. to so again, next week, you'll be hearing Barb take on Caracrow. Old school, 3-5-A rivalry renewed. I remember when I was seeing, we're seeing those games back in high school. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I could be completely wrong on this, but I feel like when Lucas Taylor ran for like 500 yards, it was against Barb on the road. I mean, Barb, I can remember in that 2002, 2003 season, excuse me, 2003 season, that team was like the one team that, was like Caracrow's kryptonite in the regular season. They lost that game. It was very tough. So trust me, Barb ain't going to be a cakewalk. It never is. Caracrow Barb is going to be one heck of a ball game. You'll hear the Caracrow call on Z1059, but if you're in Lake Chuck, you're in luck. You'll be able to hear Barb Caracrow on the game 1041. St. Thomas Moore, they dominated the Como Spartans 61-12. to now, for those who haven't paid attention to some of the new rules, there's a new rule in place. Jokingly, I'm going to call it the Jim Hightower rule because every time I've been on this station for eight years, I have listened to damn near every game of this STM run of greatness they've had since the split, which is a whole different conversation. But St. Thomas More took down Como 61-12. to Now, there's a new rule where if you're up by 42 points, so for the sake of interest, if you're up 42-0, no matter what, running clock from that point onward. So for those who may be wrapping up their Friday nights in Vermilion Parish, Acadia Parish, wherever they're listening in, just know that odds are STM won't be playing till 11 o'clock at night anymore, which is refreshing for a few people here 
inside the game studios on a Friday night. But again, STM beats Como 61-12. to Definitely a good performance to start off the 2022 season for those Cougars. And again, that was on the game right here all season long. St. Thomas More Cougar football on the game 103-7 Lafayette. Then we get to Southside. They played on Thursday night and had a hard-fought game against Notre Dame. They came up short 21-13, but I think there were a lot of positives to take away from it. I talked to the color guy, Matt Miguez. By the way, you can hear him on Mustang 107-1 each and every week when the Sharks take on Cecilia on a Thursday night. Excuse me, let me go ahead and correct that. Rewind. He won't be on the broadcast this Thursday. Cat's getting married. But you'll hear Stevie P and Craig Wall on the call. But every other game this year, they'll be on Mustang 107.1, Stevie P, and Matt Miguez. But I talked with Miguez yesterday, and he gave me his overall takeaways on the team and looked like things were getting better with that flex bone because they kept it competitive against Notre Dame. The offense he put was a little bit frustrating, but I still think that's actually a good thing because the team looks a lot better as a whole. Some other games of note before we get to the Vermilion Parish game of the week in St. Landry Parish. You had Lafayette Eye on Thursday night beat H.L. Bourgeois 56-7. You also had a really one-sided affair. Sulphur beats Washington Marion 42-8. You also had Rain shut out Beauchene on a Thursday night 39-0. Westgate shut out New Iberia 47-zip. And let's get to that Vermilion Parish game of the week. This was a low-scoring contest, not necessarily a defensive struggle. With all the rain we've gotten over the last few weeks, the turf hasn't been favorable favorable for a lot of teams. So it wound up being a little bit of a low-scoring affair, but North Vermilion was able to eke out a win. Game-winning extra point sealed the deal for the Patriots over the Pirates. Definitely going to be a lot of fun there, and this time next week, the good people over for the Vermilion Parish game of the week. They'll be heading up to Gaydon week two. North Central Friday Night Lights. And I know they're looking forward to that, to say the very least. Because after all, I know Ward Corville loves him some Gaydon and loves calling games around that part of town. And we got one more game to get to that was amongst our family of stations. That's News Talk 98.5. Oak Grove beat Opelousas Catholic 53-18. Another one of those games where the running clock came into effect and came into play more so towards the tail end of the ball game. Because, again, they have a situation where if you're up by 42 points, that causes the clock to start running from that point onward. And, yes, if a team winds up rallying back and they make it like a two-possession game, it don't matter. Clock still runs. It's to speed up the pace of play because a lot like some college baseball games, they could go four or five hours. They could go three, three and a half hours. They're trying to keep that down to a minimum. Now, who knows what could happen if a game winds up being 42 nothing, and then somehow, some way, the other team rallies back. But again, I think it's to kind of curb some of those and make it a little bit easier on these officials. Because trust me, in some cases, they're working twice a week 
Some other games across the area at Cecilia beat St. Martinville 35-33. Turlings Catholic beat Opelousas 32-14. Yeah, Westlake beat De Quincey 39-14. Iowa beat Iota 27-8. Church Point beat Eunice 18-12. That was a pretty fun ball game. Sacred Heart taking on Ville Platt. The T-Cotton Bowl is back. And Sacred Heart shut out Ville Platt 44 to nothing. You had Abbeville beat St. Mary's 21 to 7. You had a couple games canceled as well. Mamu South Plaquemine, last I saw, that game was canceled. Port Barry Livonia, that game got canceled due to some outside things that happened. Not 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 COVID, but some other stuff that I'm not going to get into because it's a whole mess. I'll just go ahead and put it that way. Some games actually wound up getting postponed and are being moved to later today. If not mistaken, Kinder and Welsh, Vinton Oakdale, those are going on later today, probably the next hour, hour and a half. Bazile Lake Arthur, that's going on around, I think, 11, right after this show signs off. Oberlin Pine Prairie, that's going to be going down this afternoon. So a lot of games left to be played before we wrap up week number one. But it's great to have high school football back in our lives. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout when we come back. We're going to get into some talk of the world of college football with our guy Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. <laughs> now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana Sports Station. Station. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. And if you didn't know, I wonder if you've been living under a rock. Well, football season, it's finally here. Game day today for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And we want to hook you up with the ultimate tailgate giveaway. We want you to be the tailgating king complete with the crown. And we're not talking Burger King. We got a chance for you to win the ultimate tailgate powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. You can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with all the accessories you could ask for, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Cajuns football games, and so much more. All you got to do is be a member of The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and The Game. And if you do win this and you're at a Cajuns game, give me a call. That way we can hang out and enjoy that fantastic meat from Chops Specialty Meats. But enough about me. Let's get into the world of college football. Week one, getting underway today. Technically, it already kind of got underway with week one, Thursday night. My goodness, Pitt versus West Virginia was hands down one of those games you had to see to believe. And we're going to talk about that and so much more with our guy, Steve Lassen, part of Athlon Sports. Steve, how you doing, brother? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you, man. It's great to have college football back. I can't wait for the games today. Fingers crossed we're going to get a great weekend of games and get this season started off on the right way. Oh, I absolutely agree. It's going to be fun to see how the season starts off. But let's take a step back 
and get to Nebraska. Because last weekend, Nebraska Northwestern was one of the more perplexing ball games from this past weekend in that week zero action. Is Scott Frost on the hot seat after that disappointing loss out in Dublin, Ireland? Because it was looked like that team was firing off at all cylinders, then somehow, some way, it was classic Nebraska football under Scott Frost where things fell off the rails pretty quick. Absolutely. There's no doubt that he's on the hot seat. I think just from a a like watching the games and, and you see how Nebraska's played, nothing has really changed for this program over the last couple of years under under Scott Frost. I mean, you know, they had a lot of small mistakes that added up last year, special teams, turnovers, uh, penalties, just finding ways to lose games. I mean, they lost nine games by one score last year. That's really hard to do. And, and generally over the course of a, of a year or two, those things tend to balance out. So you would expect they have some better luck. You know, fast forward to the opener in Ireland, and you see they make a kind of a questionable call to do the onside kick. The offensive line didn't play well. They got beat up on the defensive line of scrimmage. So you, you start thinking ahead to that October you know, 1 deadline when Scott Frost buyout drops. I think there's a lot of pressure on him right away. I mean, they needed to win this game, I think, to get to a bowl game based upon some of the games coming up on their schedule. So it was one they needed to have, and the timing of that loss makes things extremely difficult because of the looming buyout drop. So he's absolutely on the hot seat. Keep an eye on that early October window. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how that all kind of shakes out. But I want to go to Thursday night's action with Pitt versus West Virginia. The the backyard brawl came back for the first time in a decade. And this is something I think we could kind of do an overarching topic on down the road. But seeing that game on Thursday night during the kind of de facto opening night of college football it was amazing, but the fact that we waited a decade for that, it makes me wonder how many of these kind of moments are going to happen in the future, especially with all the realignment of college football, because we see, we're seeing some of these potential games where the atmosphere is damn near unmatched being taken away. Absolutely. I mean, wasn't that one of the best scenes that we've seen in college football over the last couple of years? The backyard brawl, the hatred between Pitt and West Virginia – just the atmosphere um, at the stadium formerly known as, as Heinz Field. I mean, it was just, it's what college football is all about. Like, even though Pitt and West Virginia aren't going to be competing for the national championship, I don't think this year, you know, it was just great from a rivalry perspective. And that's sort of what college football to me has always been about. It's been, you know, sort of the regional, the rivalries, like, you know, you, you, you're playing your next door neighbor and, and you're battling over bragging rights and conference rights and, just the fact we haven't had that is crazy to me. West Virginia traded out a game against Pitt at the end of the year for games against Kansas and Kansas State now in the Big 12. So I think your broader point is right, which is that was what college football to me is all about, and we lose a part of that every time there's been realignment or expansion. So I was glad to see it. I hope it comes back every year in some you know, former fashion. I would love West Virginia to be in the ACC. Because really, that's that's what makes college football enjoying is games like that. Talk right now with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, and you know that was just an amazing thing. That obviously Penn State wound up being a pretty fun game on a Thursday night. But looking at the Saturday slate of games ahead, I think there's a lot of great stuff on the table. What are you most looking forward to on this Saturday that you're going to wind up watching and keeping your eyes on? 
you know, the, I think the, the biggest game is going to be Notre Dame and Ohio State just from a name and brand perspective. I mean, you, you get the Fighting Irish and the Buckeyes on the same field. You're, it's going to be you know pretty appealing. But I think the better game is going to be Utah versus Florida. I, I just had so much interest in seeing Utah, a team that could make the college football playoff. They were so much improved from the third week of the season to the end of the year last year because of the change at quarterback in Cameron Rising. And you know, this is a Florida team with a lot of new pieces, a new coach in Billy Napier. Anthony Richardson's projected as one of the top breakout quarterbacks this year. So I think there's a lot of intrigue for me in that matchup just because of how even it appears to be on paper. The intrigue surrounding uh, you know, Florida, the the, the Pac-12 in Utah trying to get a big win, too. So I think that one's going to be close. But I, I mean, I, it's hard not to watch Notre Dame and Ohio State, even though it might be one-sided. And the same thing for, for Georgia and Oregon, too. Oh, exactly. It feels like that one with Ohio State-Notre Dame, it could be a more competitive matchup. I want to double back to the Utah-Florida game. This is a hell of a test for Billy Napier in his first game as the head coach at the Gators. And hypothetically, if he manages to pull off a win against a top-ranked Utah program, how much of a statement is that to the Florida fan base that obviously can be very fickle from time to time? Don't believe me? Go ask Dan Mullen how much the goodwill of like one good season lasted for him. But getting that opening statement win against a Utah team that is ranked very highly, that can wind up doing a lot of good for him in the future. Absolutely. And not to mention, I think, the broader point that's going on with Florida right now is after kind of a slow start in recruiting, they've really picked it up. So you've had a, you know, some steam on the recruiting trail with potentially a win over a top 10 team. It would be huge for Billy Napier. And I think what you were getting at there is right, is, Florida in 2020 won the SEC East. I mean, they weren't that far off from making the college football playoff had they, you know, won a few, won a different game or two and the bounces went their way. And last year, things just fell apart. I, I don't think the cupboard is completely bare at Florida. I mean, they've got Anthony Richardson, who is extremely talented. He just needs to put it all together. Um, you look at some of the skill talent, some of the pieces on defense. It's not a vintage Florida team. But there's a lot to work with here. And so if you beat Utah, all of a sudden the expectations go up a notch because the SEC East after Georgia is so wide open. I mean, Tennessee should be pretty solid this year. I think Kentucky will be right there in the top 25. But if Florida beats Utah, they turn around next week and host Kentucky. So they could easily be 2-0. and And all of a sudden, if they win these two games, that's a heck of a start for Billy Napier building some early momentum uh, at his new place. Another team that I'm interested in and kind of seeing what they're doing is going to be the Texas Longhorns. Not necessarily because of the opponent they're going to be facing tomorrow, or today I should say, in the Texas Longhorns. But I think it's more because of the quarterback controversy where you saw Quinn Ewers be named the starting quarterback after rumors were that Hudson Card was going to be the guy. But somehow, some way, I guess a booster wound up getting to him and told him, hey, make sure you pick this guy, not your guy or else think you won't last very long in in Austin, Texas. That's what it kind of felt like to me. But what can you say about the quarterback battle or controversy with that? You know, I think, first of all, like, are we surprised there's a ton of drama at Texas with, with, uh, with you know, things the way things have gone recently uh, for the Longhorns with, you know, Sarkeesian starting last year, 5-7, and seven, just the off-season drama. 
I mean, I think the first thing about, you know, Hudson Card is is that he lost the job last year to Casey Thompson. And I, I was surprised that he, he was going to start over Quinn Ewers at some point this offseason. When you were reading that, I think maybe, if anything, Sarkeesian may have been trying to do Ewers a favor by not starting him against Alabama in week two. So I, I don't know if Hudson Card was necessarily the sacrificial lamb for, for, um, for Alabama in week two, but it certainly makes sense to sort of ease your – you know, you're talented, but also very raw redshirt freshman quarterback into the lineup. So I have just a lot of intrigue in games like that. Even though Texas is a heavy favorite, they should should win easily. Uh, but, you know, individual players like Quinn Ewers, that, that's really what these games are all about, knocking off the rust, getting them ready for that Week 2 showdown against Alabama. But in, in the larger sense, probably not a good thing for Texas if there is some off-field drama going on right now because it's not what they need as Sarkeesian tries to turn the program around. And, oh, by the way, you know, there's still that looming move to the SEC. Talk right now Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. And I want to ask you about the LSU-Florida State game, which you'll hear right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles tomorrow night. And I got to say, I was surprised that Brian Kelly has kept so close to the vest. Who's going to be taking the snaps for this contest tomorrow night? Honestly, it feels like Jaden Daniels is the guy, but he's very much remained tight-lipped, and likely we won't find out until after kickoff on Sunday. Absolutely. I think, first of all, like when you study this matchup, it really is kind of a matchup of two teams just trying to get back on track. You know, Florida State hasn't been very good. The last couple of years, LSU, of course, it was six and seven last year, five and five the year before. And I think Brian Kelly's kind of in a similar spot to where Billy Napier is. There's still some talent in this program. LSU's defensive line, I think, is going to be one of the best in the SEC. And of course, it helps to have uh, Keishon Butte and some of the other pieces that they have at receiver on offense back. So I have a lot of intrigue just to see what LSU looks like. But in terms of the quarterback situation, I think to me, Jaden Daniels is going to be the guy on you know Sunday night. I just think based upon what you've been able to gather out of LSU's uh, fall camp and some of the other rumblings, it seems like he's going to be the guy. Now the question is going to be, does Nussmeyer play some? Do they alternate any at any point? Does Nussmeyer play better and then take over the job? That's the question to me. And I think the, the one advantage that Jaden Daniels has is his mobility. His accuracy at Arizona State sort of kind of came and went, and I think the you know the longer you throw downfield, the more inconsistent he could be. But his mobility could be a huge asset because Florida State's defensive front is strong on the interior. There's some questions on the edges. But if LSU's offensive line is a question mark, and much like it was last season where they didn't have much of a consistent rushing game, um, you know his mobility could be that X factor. So I totally understand why Jaden Daniels is the guy. My question is, if he gets off to a slow start, do they change quarterbacks? And if Nussmeyer plays better, what does that mean going forward? So in the, in the very you know, big picture sense, I think LSU is kind of a mystery. Uh, they're also very talented and very intriguing. And I think it's a pretty even matchup with Florida State, too. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun to hear that matchup here on the game and also watch it on TV. Definitely going to be a busy weekend for Steve Lassen and yours truly this weekend. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road and enjoy this official start of college football. Hey, Clint, you too. Thanks again for having me on. Enjoy all the games this weekend. 
It's always great to talk with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at AthlonSteven. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap up our number one in style. More importantly, focus on the New Orleans Saints for a few moments. But until then, you're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette. Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station wrapping up our number one in style. And if you didn't get tickets to LSU's season opener against Florida State in the Superdome this Sunday, or tomorrow night, I should say, don't you dare be sour, because you can still have a great time by coming out to Twin Peaks on Johnston this Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. You can enjoy the ice-cold, teeth-chattering 29-degree beers. Have some fantastic burgers. Wings, whatever you want, it's there. But more importantly, you can hang out with our guy, Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'd say the better half of that show, just my personal opinion. And go watch the game with him. So go out to Twin Peaks tomorrow night for the game's LSU watch party at Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, and scenic views. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Saturday morning. And you should be because it is college football game day. But we're going to drift away for a little bit on the college front because I want to wrap up our number one, getting to I think one of the bigger topics over the last couple of days is what's going on with the New Orleans Saints, namely the CD Deuce trade. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Basically got traded for a washing machine. It felt very much semi-pro-esque, that trade. Because you got you gave up Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a seventh-round pick, for essentially a fifth and sixth pick. Sixth-round pick in next year's draft. Now, my question is, how much could that be used as capital to get back into the first round in 2023? Or, and this is my thought process, or what if that's being used to kind of add a little bit more to the pot for Sean Payton. Because, again, Sean Payton's still going to be somebody NFL teams are going to want, namely the Dallas Cowboys. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that's in the offing, at least in my heart of hearts. But, again, that's just purely my opinion. But looking at the trade itself, I get it. I understand the thought process behind it. I was shocked at first, but once I started reading more and more into it, the fact that he was wanting a good bit of money, probably a little bit more than what his pay grade, if you will, because he was a lot like Jimmy Graham whenever he wanted to be paid as a wide receiver versus a tight end. See how much that worked out? Because that, that, that trade paid off gangbusters because you wound up getting a guy who helped turn around your offensive line overnight in Max Unger. And that kind of led you to get out of the doldrums of 7-9 and 
and back into the playoffs and back into contention. So, yes, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade sucked then and sucks even more now with the Marcus May news. It's, it's a little bit of a mess at secondary, but I am still kind of okay with it because this is a situation where you needed to save money in the long run. Because as much as we love Drew Brees, Drew Brees handcuffed us for years with his contract. And we're still kind of in that cap hell. And again, all praise Loomisnomics, but at the same time, if you can get rid of somebody that probably will wind up adding more of an albatross to your salary cap, I'm okay with it. Again, I think he, he was wanting more like $13 million a year, way above what you give a corner. He was wanting safety money. Whenever he uses a corner, it's like, all right, go ahead. We're going to go ahead and trade you. Good luck, God bless. And maybe you'll wind up getting that money in Philly or any of the other 30 teams in the NFL. But I don't think the Saints are going to want to fork over that kind of money right here, right now. Hour number one in the books, hour two, coming your way in just a few. And we got the Fade 5 picks to click and also a little bit of perspective on LSU and the Cajuns from the betting point of view. And also we're going to get somebody on from the Florida State perspective, and that is Dustin Lewis, who is a contributor for Noel Game Day, which is part of SI Now and a co-host of the Hear the Spear podcast back after this right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles we are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers <laughs> 